now to go on the ground speaking to a correspondent overseas on the stories making headlines on their patch. Today we're in Bogota, Colombia, where the country could see their first ever left-wing president following a surprisingly shocking first round of voting. I'm joined by journalist John Bonfilio. John, am I exaggerating when I say shocking first round? I think it's definitely shocking in terms of the second place candidate that came through. The, the left wing candidate, Gustavo Petro, uh, I mean, everybody's he's been polling between 35 and 40 percent uh, for quite a while now. But it was expected that he would come in uh, either as an overwhelming winner um, on gaining 50 percent of potentially 50 percent of the vote and winning outright um, or going into a into a second round runoff, which is now going to take place on the 19th of June with his right wing adversary. In this case, uh, Federico Fico Hernandez, the, um, who was uh, largely seen as a successor to the to the right wing ruling class uh, that have controlled and ruled Colombia for the last 200 years uh, since mm. it uh, became a modern democracy. But coming completely out of um, left field, uh, a guy called Rodolfo Hernandez, a businessman and anti-corruption, or some, an individual running on an anti-corruption mandate with um, you know scant interest in specific policies, has over the last two weeks um, absolutely surged in the uh, in the in the polls and in popularity, primarily by running a highly successful. TikTok campaign and uh, achieved 28% of the vote yesterday, um, surprising absolutely everybody. Now, why this is important is because had it been a straightforward runoff between the left-wing Petro and the right-wing Hernandez, then mm. Hernandez's votes would have split between the two of them, making a left-wing presidency all the more likely. But um, with Hernandez now, winning mm. and going through, all of the right-wing vote will go across to Hernandez. So we're in something of a statistical dead heat. And it makes uh, Petro's um, avenue to the presidency really all the more complicated. And really the only thing that he can, that the left can do now is to um, enhance turnout, is to really get out amongst uh, the communities, amongst rural regions and try and push turnout out because he certainly doesn't have, you know, in terms of the vote he didn't get yesterday, none of that mm. is going to go to him in the second round. And you've it said that you said that Hernandez um, hasn't really got particular policies apart from this anti-corruption ticket that he's riding on. So has his appearance, sort of coming from right field, if you could have that expression, uh, is that indicative of the fact that Colombians are absolutely fed up with corruption? Why why is that such a motivating force? Yeah, and it's not just Colombia, actually. It's also a, a broader, I think, international phenomenon and also very specifically a, a Latin American phenomenon in which the historic, the traditional um, uh, politicians and ruling elites are largely being, uh, you know, throw, thrown out of thrown out of contention. Um, I think absolutely, look, I think contextually, um, Colombia for the last maybe four years, I mean, it's always been a country that has really you know, struggled within itself. But for the last four years, you've had uh, you've had a, a general a strike. You've obviously had uh, COVID. Um, just three weeks ago, the uh, the government was uh, about a quarter of the country was brought to a standstill by a cartel protesting um, on the on the extradition of its leader Otoniel uh, to stand trial in the U.S. And they basically declared martial law in a quarter of the country, stopping absolutely everything from happening. So, um, you know, and this goes back. 
uh, half a century, basically, in terms of civil strife. So everybody on the ground here, especially a a youth, um, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a militant youth, maybe a semi-militant youth, I think it would be fair to say, is completely mm-hmm. fed up with what Colombia is and is hoping for change. And, and they, they see the only viable candidate as Petro. But, you know, this guy coming in and, and denouncing all politicians at the same time, I mean, in some ways he's been compared to Trump, right? Um, mm. He, uh, that kind of figure coming in and saying they are all worthless is definitely gathering support. And of course, Petro uh, was himself a, a member of a, of a sort of guerrilla organization. Um, and I think part of, uh, you know, the, the discussion around the elections at the moment is 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 actually to do with the peace deal, which has been very slow in being implemented. I mean, it, it was signed in, in 2016, but I think now there are differing positions on, you know, how workable it is. How much is that, you know, in the headlines? I think it's really interesting because the candidates have barely spoken about it for fear of igniting more issues um, publicly and being accused of doing so. But it is absolutely, you know, the central issue that that everybody is is very aware of um, here. Uh, what largely took place in 2016, as you say, Mariella, is that there was an agreement to bring the largest group, the FARC, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, that had been waging, that had been involved, you know, the, the primary armed. Uh, guerrilla group for half a century um, out of out of conflict to lay down their weapons and to gain protection and enter the political process. So that moved, you know, fairly uneasily forward as, you know, as things do. I mean, we know this, of course, in terms of Northern Ireland, how that sort of inched forward imperfectly. Uh, but what took place over the, uh, with the last government of Ivan Duque, um, Duque was uh, uh, very vocifer- vociferously against the peace process. And whilst he didn't de facto stop it from happening, what he did was kick it into the long grass and stopped the protections that were that were due to the FARC, which basically meant that into the spaces that were controlled by the FARC entered organized crime uh, and criminal groups and the cartels um, and took over all of those areas, but also began to pick off the, the FARC um, revolutionaries that had laid down their weapons as well. So it, th- it threw and has thrown that entire peace process um, you know, up into up into into question. A number of those fighters have gone back into you know arming themselves into into splinter groups. Some are still uh, you know part of the peace process, but are denouncing the fact that the promises that they that they've been given um, really amount to nothing. And so you, you've basically got a peace process on a precipice in Colombia, and without peace in Colombia, it is the single most important thing. Without peace, nothing else can go forward. Indeed. And can you just tell me in a word, though, because the news is coming, left-winger Francia Marquez, who could become the country's first black female vice president, is she still in the running, in a word? She is. um, Absolutely amazing figure. She is. (laughs) Excellent. Very good news. We'll keep our eyes out for her. Uh, John Bonfilio in Bogota, thank you so much for that very comprehensive uh, explanation of what's happening in Colombia now. Quite a worrying story in a way.